Hey, I'm Erin Bridgman, a money mindset and management coach for the creative entrepreneur. I'm the girl behind the wealthy woman movement that's reaching thousands and expanding each and every month. And I'm so glad you've decided to join this community too. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to get strategic with their money. I believe that wealthy women will change the world. And in this podcast, we include money-related mindset and management tips and practical business advice you can apply right away. No fluff here. It's time to take action. Let me shoot it to you straight. Talking about money is like talking about sex. It's vulnerable and uncomfortable, but so necessary. And that's why I've created a judgment-free zone where women like you can trade the shame and money skeletons in your closet with empowerment and confidence that helps you master your money. I'm both the creative and the nerd, the no bullshit friend and your hype girl. And I'm excited to be your guide on your money journey. All your dreams are tied to money. So it's time to get that money working for you so you can make your dreams a reality together. Your business should be the catalyst to living your dream life. So don't let your money be the obstacle. Grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's dive in. Welcome wealthy women to the Wealthy Woman podcast. I am really excited for the conversation that Casey and I are going to have today. So welcome Casey to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. And I also just love not knowing exactly what we're going to get into because it always winds up just better and juicier than anything that gets planned. It's going to be fun. Yeah. We both <laughs> are like sitting here like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> Casey, you have an impressive history in what you've done and in entrepreneurship and also previous to that. So will you just share a little bit about you, who you are, your background in business and in life before we jump into our conversation? Sure. That can go a lot of different ways and I'm not a brief person, so I will try my best to be, (laughs) but my name is Casey Crow Taylor. I grew up in New Jersey, did the very traditional route. I was very lucky to go to college. I met my husband, him and I have been together for 15 years. He is Australian. We did long distance for three years. Uh, And so he moved here in 2012. We have two kids We live in Northern Virginia, an hour outside of DC, and we lived in Manhattan for almost five years before that. So for me, like I always had this big dream of working in New York City, like glamorous job. I really wanted that like fashion PR girl, New York experience. And I worked really hard to get my first internship with Victoria's Secret in 2010. I did an internship there for six months. Then I went and I lived in Australia for a couple of years, which was awesome. And I got a ton of really great fashion PR agency experience. When I moved back, I worked really hard to network, keep in contact with people who were at Victoria's Secret because that's where I ultimately wanted to land back. And so I had that job for three years. I resigned from that job after experiencing public bullying, essentially from the chief marketing officer. And that was like a really transformative experience for me because like I said, like that was my dream job and I loved my team and it really felt like breaking up with someone. It was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. And it was truly heartbreaking to have to walk away. But I knew that 
had I had stayed there, I would have like just broken my own standards and I would have gone against my own integrity. I still will never forget leaving that day. I just walked from 56th street and Broadway to Grand Central Station sobbing. And that's a solid 25 minute walk. And I just cried the whole way home and probably cried for 10 days. After that, I landed at Birchbox. I mean, I've only worked for like three companies, but it's the best company I've ever worked for. And it was such an amazing startup experience. Like I was allowed to bounce around other departments and really get so much exposure to different parts of that business that I didn't even realize how much it would help me in starting my own business. Part of my responsibilities within Birchbox was like a startup and a startup. I was on a five-person team who was launching the Canada business. And so it was so scrappy and I loved being a part of that because as a small team, we could make such big things happen. And so I loved that feeling, but like it was a bittersweet thing where I had to leave that because my husband's job gave us a better opportunity in DC here. Um, and then I worked for another beauty retail company and that's where I built my wedding photography business in 2016, matched my corporate salary within six months of starting that and went on my own. And then I had that business basically until COVID killed it. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But to be honest, I was walking away from that business um, at the end of 2019 anyway. So it kind of just made it happen faster than I wanted. But I mean, it's funny. I just listened to this episode. Brene Brown just put out her first podcast in three months. And like, if that podcast doesn't prove that we all had a universal experience, I don't know what does. We all have had pretty much, not exactly, but in general, the same two and a half years. I tried out business coaching. I had a successful business coaching business in 2021. And then we talked about this before you started recording. I gave birth. I got COVID at 39 weeks pregnant last year, exactly a year ago. And first I thought my husband might die. Then he got better. And then I had it. And literally at that point, there was like three women in the news who had died giving birth with COVID. And I was traumatized it was literally the longest 12 days of my entire life. Anyway, after I went through that, I was just like, I want to scratch fucking everything in my life and start all over. And so I really just let myself be for a long time to bring it back to now. I just kind of started being like, all right, I'm ready to work again, but I don't really want to go front facing. Like I'm not really ready to be on Instagram a ton. I just kind of poked around at my network. Like who needs marketing help? I'm an expert. I'm looking for like a creative outlet. And I wound up finding a really incredible partnership with my business coach for the last two years. And so I've been working in her business since February and it's been so amazing that now I've started to take on some short-term contracts. So what I'm doing right now is really helping entrepreneurs focus on where they're spending their time when it comes to marketing, because three hours spent making reels that maybe last for 24 hours is a lot different than spending three hours writing a sophisticated email funnel system that will last a year. So really helping and then also implementing and doing some of this stuff. So it's, it's much more service-based, which fulfills me more because there's nothing 
worse to me than like giving a business coaching client an amazing idea and then watching it die because they don't implement it. So now, (laughs) now what I do is like help people come up with the amazing ideas and implement them. So I get to like birth the idea and see it live, which feels so much more satisfying to me than just like telling people what to do. Right. I love being able to like hear the evolution of your journey and the way that you own it too. Like I knew this was the right choice. I had to leave despite the tears and I needed to take a break. I needed to take a year off and like really feel what I needed to feel and find what alignment looked like for me. And I think that gives people who are listening permission to, you know, the plan isn't always like, well, it's never one point to the next point. It's often very messy and fluid and changes direction. And I love just hearing your journey and like, you've been incredibly successful in lots of different spaces. Just so fun to hear like where you've been. So I know that we, before we talked about like 17 different topics that we could (laughs) jump into given your expertise and your background. And really we loved this idea of talking about time and as wealthy women, we know that leveraging our time in ways that are most impactful is huge. And, uh, time and money go hand in hand often. And so I'm really excited for us to dive into this conversation of how do we create marketing that is impactful and in the long term and helps us to use our time really efficiently. So let's just jump into why did you start in this direction? Like, what were you seeing in the industry? What were pain points that you saw as you were talking with other entrepreneurs? And then we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, I think this came first from my own experience because I've been on Instagram since it became into existence in like 2010, I want to say, and I have loved using it. It's like been a happy place for me for a long time. But I, what's so crazy to me when I look back at my Instagram, I'm like, I only posted 13 times this year. That's crazy. I used to post 13 times, like in two weeks, (laughs) I have never pulled back from Instagram. But the truth is, is that I just haven't been as inspired to create there. I feel like, uh, sure. Could I just put on my big girl pants and make a bunch of reels? I definitely could do that, but it feels like something that is out of integrity for me to just do something because other people are doing it. And other people are telling me that if I want to succeed at Instagram, I have to do this thing. That is never true. It is never true that in order to succeed, you must do something that makes you feel gross. (laughs) It's just not true. And so after that, I just kind of was like, I'm just going to keep building this business on the DL and keep it to my network. And then as I was talking within my network, people were like, you just have so much marketing knowledge. Like, I don't really want to be on Instagram anymore. What other ways can I market myself that isn't making TikToks and reels? Oh, hell yeah. There's so many different ways. So one of the services that I offer is podcast pitching and podcast PR. So I help clients get on relevant podcasts, create really creative writing pitches. I just got one of my clients on a really big podcast that has like a hundred thousand followers and has like 10,000 downloads per episode. So sure you could like make reels for three hours every week. And maybe one of them goes viral and you get a bunch of followers depending on what the content is, those followers may not be relevant at all to what you sell, right? I've seen people go viral for like a home decor reel. 
but they are a business coach. And so they have people who are following them for their house, not for their business. And so what getting on other podcasts does is gets you in front of a really relevant audience that what I really want is for people to convert over to an email list, not Instagram. Email lists are so much more valuable than your Instagram followers. I've seen businesses get hacked. I've seen businesses get their account shut down, but your email list is yours and no one can take it from you. So really what I have wanted to do for my clients is build something that is theirs and also is a long form sustainability marketing channel versus like spending five hours making a reel that they hope goes viral. And it's just like, you don't have that kind of control. What you do have control over is sending an email to your email list every week, having really sophisticated email funnel systems that sell your course on autopilot or sell your service on autopilot. And all of that is working behind the scenes and not you having to make fresh content every 24 hours. Cause that's kind of where we're at with Instagram. And I still love Instagram, love showing up in stories, love it. We'll continue to do that. But I do think that like, if you feel so yuck about Instagram, like don't do it until it feels right. Like don't force yourself to make content you don't want to make. If you're having like the most fun making reels, please keep doing that because that works. What I've always said in business coaching and marketing is like, if you're bored making it, or if you hate making it, then the audience is going to hate watching it or they will be bored watching it. But if you have so much fun, that's where the connection is. That's where your time is best spent, where you're having the most fun. But at the same time, obviously, if you have been a business owner and you've had a profitable, sustainable business, you know that not all of business is fun. So there are parts that we need to do that can feel really hard in approaching it. So I think email marketing is kind of one of them. And I really love it. And I love writing. And I love, you know, one of the things I look for when I work with my clients is like, oh, there's a formula here. So how do we replicate that formula for someone else? So it's not like we're guessing, right? And so I'm constantly having this eye for patterns, systems, and formulas so that with every single new client I bring on, I have a better way of serving them. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on. And then also like blogging and SEO as well is another like long-term and YouTube. Like if you love making videos, YouTube is the long-term game for marketing versus putting videos on Instagram and TikTok, right? It lives longer. Like it's not like someone's going to miss it because they didn't scroll that day. Now I'm like at an obsession point with like, where are we focusing our marketing efforts? And more importantly, where are the people who are making millions of dollars? Because I'm going to tell you that they have teams that make Instagram content, but the people who are making millions of dollars have insanely sophisticated email marketing systems, like insane. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're selling, everyone's listening, leaning in. Some people are like, I love to make the real and maybe Instagram serving you, maybe not. But I think what you're presenting here is let's dig a little bit deeper into marketing that serves us a bit longer because it stays alive longer. It serves mm -hmm. us more efficiently for longer. So if you were to go down like your path of expertise, whether it's like if we want to dive into email marketing and talk a little bit about that or podcasting, or I'd love to have some like practical things for people to be like thinking about considering as they're trying to figure out where should I put my time in marketing so that it is used most efficiently. So I say, start with the email list because 
when you go on podcasts, you want somewhere for people to go. And it's a much, much better conversion to convert them to an email list than it is to an Instagram follower. And so if you're looking to build a long-term marketing channel that will serve you for so long, email is where it's at. Start building your email list. You'll never be sorry that you started like today, a year from you now, we'll be like so thrilled. What's hard about email marketing. And I think this is why psychologically people are so focused on Instagram because you can get the quick result. You can put out a reel and it gets 10,000 views. And you're like, that validation is so like sexy and juicy. And you're like, oh man, that reel took me like 30 minutes. And I saw this huge instant gratification, but what was the ROI? Were there sales? Were there people joining your email list? With email, it's harder to put a lot of work into because you don't see the instant satisfaction gratification. So it's a snowball compound effect that happens. But if you keep going, like the ROI and the conversions just grow exponentially, right? And so it's hard to get started. It will be a lot of work, but it will pay off if you stay consistent there. You can't turn Instagram on autopilot. You have to create fresh content, email marketing, easy to set on autopilot once you put in the work. And so where I would start is figuring out what is a really great freebie lead magnet that I can offer my people to invite them into my list. Quizzes are great, but they're a little bit more work. My best freebies are like tangible checklists and scripts. So my best performing organic freebie is this freebie, how to book clients over the phone, where I essentially give an actual script of how I used to run my wedding photography consult calls in my wedding photography business. I pretty much booked it. I think I booked at like a 93%. Once I got them on the phone, I almost had a 100% booking rate. And so that's my most popular organic freebie. Like it is, I have not made any new content for that in two years. And I get like 20 to 50 email subscribers a week from that. For the first year, I did a lot of Pinterest. I did a lot of SEO updates to that blog post that opt-in, but now I literally do nothing and I just get email subs. So it does take some work. And then once it starts ranking in SEO, once it starts getting a life of its own, it is truly a passive marketing initiative because you really don't have to do much. Like I could go and make brand new pins and I could probably update that blog post and it would improve performance, but I don't have to, right? So the other way that I built my email list was getting on podcasts. There's like one podcast where I got like 275 email subscribers, like in the week that I went live, I was really strategic about that. So the topic I went to talk about was Instagram marketing and I had a really great Instagram marketing freebie. Think about some kind of free resource, like checklists, scripts, templates, calendars that would really add impact to your ideal client to pull them in and give them valuable information. But that's kind of the easy part. After that, there needs to be 
a really great nurture sequence. And then consistency in showing up in their inbox. Consistency does not have to be weekly. It could be monthly. It could be quarterly. Start small, but be consistent there. I'm going to tell you that like, usually I'm very consistent. I just emailed my list again for the first time in a year because I mean, the past year has been extremely challenging for me. Like when I talk about it in hindsight, it seems so simple and I can see things clearer, but in it, it was so incredibly challenging and difficult. And I'm recovering from postpartum depression, just like lots of things. And so I'm not perfect, but when I look at what other people are doing, who are examples in the email marketing space, um, people I study and like literally build my own case studies in my Google docs of like, okay, this person does this. And then when that happens, they do this, like looking for that formula and becoming the expert and studying like so hard. But I mean, I re-engaged with my list and I really like the unsubscribe was almost nothing. And I had a 50% open rate for the last few weeks in a row. And so like, as long as you have an authentic relationship there, you can take breaks. Of course you can take breaks, but I think like being really consistent there is going to pay off. And then Pinterest is like a really underused marketing channel that you can put on autopilot. Like you can put tailwind on autopilot, never create new pins and still get traffic and opt-ins. So that is another thing that I've used for my email marketing. Again, I have not touched it in a year. Um, I'm in the process right now of like overhauling my freebies and lead magnets and pins and all of that, but I haven't touched it in a long time. And my list just kept building. My list kept building while I wasn't doing anything for a year. Um, and I can't say the same about Instagram, right? Because as I wasn't participating in making the short form content, my audience, I wasn't reaching new people, right? So I think that if you are a solopreneur focusing less on Instagram and more on email marketing, and getting like being a guest on podcasts is like the better use of your time. I don't think you should not be on Instagram, but I think that should be the marketing channel that gets the least amount of your time because the content just doesn't live that long. Yeah. You just shared so much goodness there in we know that we don't own our followings on other platforms and that when we have email subscribers, that's an audience that we own. And also those are our biggest fans. Those are the people mm-hmm. that are the warmest, that are most interested in hearing from us. They let us get into their inbox. And I really loved how you talked about, you know, how to actually grow the list. Because I think that sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, we can, I remember years ago, I spent all this time creating a quiz. And like you said, those are time consuming. And then like you can create a product, but nobody's just going to come knocking down your door to buy it unless you talk about it. I was like, why aren't I having a bunch of email subscribers? There's this awesome quiz I made. And so I think hearing how you have this approach of growing your email list, both in a very automated way through generating like really good blogs and SEO content and things like that with Pinterest and things. And then also actively being on podcasts and showing up that way, very practical, tangible ways to serve and grow your email list. So that's really, yeah. And I also think it's important to think about like video and audio. Like when I speak is like 
one way that I make really strong conversions. So like when I started including video proposals in my business, I like had a six month period where I booked every single job that had a video in the proposal. And so that told me like, oh, hey, when I speak to people, that's really influential versus just an email. And so I think pay attention to like where you really shine, because I think there's some people who are better at writing than they are speaking. And so, you know, podcast is a great way for me to grow my list and grow my following and just get exposure to new people and bring new people into my world. But I, I also love writing, but I do know that the speaking is the stronger point for me. But then there's other people who I see in the industry who, when I watch them speak, they're strong. But when I read their emails, like that's where they come alive. And so just kind of like pay attention to what feels the best for you and where you actually convert people and then spend more time there. So like I have three blog posts that I have that are like SEO beasts that I just like update, check their health. But if I focus more on speaking my own podcast, but then if you're someone who likes writing, maybe you do write more blog posts versus going on podcasts because maybe that makes you feel uncomfortable or you just feel like you like to write words more. Like I always encourage my clients, both my former business coaching clients and my current clients to always make sure that you're moving in the direction of you and where you want to go and not where you feel like you should go and not where someone's telling you need to go. So I always try and kind of glaze that over any business advice that I give is like, pay attention to what feels good. Like say yes to this and no to this. You know what I mean? Like say yes to starting a list, but like say no to, you know, stopping making your reels that you have so much fun with. Like it should always be this moment of like checking in with yourself where you're like, does this feel good for me and my business though? Or does that other thing feel better? Yeah. And I think so many times we can easily say, what is everyone else doing? What seems to work? And it's, we are the biggest asset in our companies. And so finding what is aligned with our strengths and what brings us alive, because like you said earlier, the energy is what is contagious. Like if you hate recording the real, that energy comes through. And so I think that was an experience for me a little over a year ago, I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do to scale your business that all, you know, I hired the gurus, I paid for the really expensive mastermind. And I found myself really out of alignment, both with what I was selling, but how I was delivering it, everything. And I took time away to like press into my intuition. And I feel like I abandoned because I wanted to do what you're supposed to do or felt like that's what I had to do to grow. And so I love this reminder for people to filter everything that they hear, whether this particular show or wherever else you're consuming content to be like through your own genius, your own alignment and like what feels and works best for you. Yeah. Like you're allowed to subscribe and unsubscribe to like whatever, um, whatever feels good to you. For me, one of the things I've really worked on in the past two years is like, whenever I catch myself saying, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. That for me now is a signal to my brain that says, but what do I need right now? Like, what do I need? I hear you like brain with all of the information that you think I should be doing all these things, but what do I actually need? Mm. And that check-in has been life-changing in some moments because it's not easy. It's like, it's simple, but not easy. 
to have that shift. But for me now, it's easier to listen to myself. Like I can actually ask myself what I need and give it to myself in the same moment where it took me a really long time to get there where I would be like, what do I need? Oh, I probably need to rest and not think about work. Oh, I'll do that this afternoon when my husband gets home. And it took me a while to finally keep closing that gap to be like, no, I need to give myself what I need right now, even though I have a deadline and blah, 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 blah. Like this is what I need right now. And I think in this crazy noisy world, that is like the biggest gift that we can give to ourselves. Okay. You brought up something that I want to like, maybe in our last few minutes kind of dig into, because like you said, you're a researcher, you're looking for formulas, you're looking for patterns. You have Google docs while you're studying the million dollar companies. What are some cool things that you've been finding or some really neat insights that you're like, that feels very relevant to what's happening right now inside of marketing that people could digest and hear from you? I think when it comes to marketing right now, especially in this age with the constant content creation that we're almost like assaulted with when we open our phones. Listen, I did a lot of European traveling this summer, but like, you know, when you see somebody else like traveling around Europe and you're in workout clothes, like I just got back like from going for my like mental health walk with my daughter. And it's like, you see these people living these glamorous lives and you're just like, oh, I would start an email list, but my life is so boring and I don't have any shiny, bold, interesting stories to tell. And what I would say to you is that your most boring story is probably what would get the most email opens. (laughs) People think their lives are more boring than they actually are. Tell your stories when it comes to marketing. Um, it's hard out there. It is hard to have the confidence to tell your stories. It's hard to feel like your stories have value, but if you just challenged yourself today to share a story that happened to you in the last 24 hours, I guarantee you that you will have at least three people connect with you about that human story. Like the knowledge stuff is great where you can share five, five ways to save more money. All of that stuff is really powerful, right? That's how we learn new things. But for people to buy from you, they have to connect with you. And so if you can really think about like, this is a funny little thing that happened in my life, but I don't know, maybe people would be interested. Like you don't need the big shiny yacht in Capri. (laughs) It's kind of what I'm getting at. Sometimes people would rather read about the realness and the silly stories that you have, you know, Jen Olmstead from Tonic Shop is a really phenomenal person to look at when it comes to writing and marketing through writing versus speaking or video. She really kills it. Oh, she has one of my favorite email newsletters. And she had the story about how her three-year-old was asking for the dinosaur things. And she had no idea what he was talking about. And the way that Jen writes her newsletters, again, you can always find a formula. So she tells a really funny story because she's a very good storyteller. And then she always connects it back to business. The other thing, my best marketing tip is like, it's not that serious. (laughs) It doesn't have to be that serious. It doesn't have to be that complicated. It can be so simple the simpler and the less you think about it, the more impactful it usually is. Mm. Yeah. Because it's coming from you and people can feel that. Right. 
Yeah. I love that you gave Jen as a specific person to maybe subscribe to, check out what she's doing. Are there other people who like just observe on video? Here's the people in audio. Here's the people. There's some other, as you've been doing studying, you would say, hey, check out these people and see what they're putting out into the world and creating. Yeah. Jenna Kutcher is an email marketing machine. Amy Porterfield is also Laura Belgray um, is my favorite person for subject lines. I don't love her email content. It's not as engaging for me because it's just not what I connect with, but she definitely connects with millions of people. I think her email list is like millions, but I do find like so much inspiration in her subject lines. So she writes my favorite subject lines. And then for podcasts, so many, I love, love the skinny confidential. Cause I'm totally obsessed with Lauren Bostic. I love Ed Milet. I think Ed Milet is one of the best interviewers in the podcasting game. What I love about Ed as a male podcaster is that he has a little bit of a feminine side that makes me feel like the way he interviews is this really beautiful flow of like structured business strategy and this feminine flow of like real life and emotions. And I just love his podcast. I pretty much listen to it every week. Same with Skinny Confidential. And then I just started listening to The Purpose Show and I'm loving that content right now. I kind of use Spotify as like a Google for podcasts. If I'm like, "Mm, I'm interested in learning more about email marketing, I will literally pop in email marketing. A lot of the stuff that I find about email marketing is very basic, which is one of the things that I'm working on building right now within working with my clients is like, "Mm, there needs to be like a better email marketing course out there that has like, the no bullshit, no fluff, how to build an email marketing system versus like how to start your list. Like, I just don't think that there's like a next level course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Growing it. Yeah. Cause like I would buy it. I'm looking for it. So I'm like, all right, I'll just make it. I love Huberman labs. Like I love learning about human body, the human brain. He just did this episode on alcohol that blew my mind. And who else do I love? I just started listening to almost 30 again, which I took a break from. I listened to them like six years ago, pretty religiously. I listened to the episode they did with Jenna Kutcher, which was great. Um, so many good ones. Yeah, because I do so much like podcast research for my clients, because I always listen to a podcast before I pitch, I am just coming across all of these really great podcasts that exist. So that's been really fun too. Yeah. Well, thank you for both sharing your story and your journey and being so transparent about that. And then encouraging both alignment and figuring out your own self and curiosity, like keeping yourself curious about what others are doing and how that's aligned. And also giving us some very core principles around email marketing, how to start, how to grow an email list and doing it in ways that feel really, really good and ways that will last a long time and not just through some platforms that we know have short-term results. So this is such a good conversation. Yay. Your time. And I want to do some wealthy woman rapid fire questions as we wrap sure. episode. Are you ready? Yeah, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is your earliest memory around money and how has that impacted you? 
Oh, you know what? This is so funny. So my grandfather, my pop pop was a celebrated local craftsman. So he made all kinds of incredible things out of wood. And so I would go to craft fairs with him and he would put me as the cashier and I still to this day cannot do math without a calculator. Like I love budgeting, but I love budgeting in an Excel spreadsheet that does the math for me. (laughs) I don't hate numbers. I just hate math. And I remember I would, I would have to like take people's cash and then give them the right change back. And my grandfather would never correct me. He would just watch me and he would just watch people say, "Mm, that wasn't the right change. (laughs) You gave me too much. You gave me too little. And that's just so random. But that is one of my first memories of money and just handling money. I was probably seven, eight ish. I don't know what the percentage was, but he would give me a percentage of his sales that day. And he was such a man of few words. So he would just sit in his chair and I would chat with people and be like, this is this, this is this much, this is what this is. And it's funny. No one's ever asked me that before. And as I think about it, it seems like whenever I've thought about, oh, I'm the first entrepreneur in my family. It's like, oh, actually, no, I'm not. My pop-up was, yeah, I mean, he did that all through his retirement. Actually, the shelf in my daughter's nursery is made by him. But yeah, that's my first tangible memory that I can remember about money and how bad I was at math. (laughs) (laughs) And yet it's in your family's blood to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, which is crazy because both my parents had very traditional careers. And I think that that is probably a generational thing of their generation and what was so ingrained in them. But yeah. So fun. Okay. Last question. If I were to give you a hundred thousand dollars right now, what would you do with it? Oh boy. I would pay off. Well, first I would pay off their remaining debt we have. And then I honestly think I would probably put a chunk in investment savings. Like this feels really good and privileged to say, but I can't really think of something crazy that we would spend money on right now because I feel like we have so much of what we already need that I would want to put it into our future. Love that. <laughs> Debt pay down, savings, investing. That's all stuff that I do. Yeah. I'm like very anti stuff right now. Like literally like we just like decluttered like crazy we have our daughter's first birthday. I'm like, no one dare bring a gift. I need (laughs) no more toys in my house. Do not. I don't want any more stuff. We just got rid of a bunch of stuff. Please do not bring more stuff into my house. (laughs) So I'm like going through a phase of like, I just took like seven enormous bags of my clothes to be donated. I don't want to do laundry anymore. I want to do like the least amount of laundry anyway. So I'm like very anti-stuff right now in six months. My answer would probably be totally different. (laughs) It's okay. And that's obviously very valuable that you would take the hundred thousand and save and pay down that and all that. Okay. So people are excited. They've heard you. You're in this transition phase of your business. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? How do you want them to be able to find you? 
right I love connecting on Instagram. I primarily use Instagram with stories and DMs. Like I literally love connecting with people in my DMs. Like I have like really good friends that I've never met in my DMs. <laughs> um, so I love being on Instagram. I am at Casey Crow with an E Taylor. And then my website is CaseyCrowTaylor.com. And my podcast, which is coming back, which is the Rule Breaker podcast, anywhere on Spotify and iTunes. There's some really great old episodes there that still get like lots of love. Again, another long-term marketing channel. Like I haven't done any consistent episodes in a year and I still get like 300 listens a month. I've done nothing. <laughs> Great. We'll make sure that we link those in the show notes. Yeah. And I can send you some links. Yes. That'd be awesome. Again, thank you so much, Casey, for taking time out of your day to share your story and share the knowledge that you have in marketing. I know that so many of us will be able to take that and be able to have aligned action that helps us become more efficient with our time, which is a, a very wealthy place to be when we have time freedom. So thank you. Yes. I love it. Thank you. This was so fun. Are you a creative entrepreneur looking for next level support when it comes to your money mindset and management? It's time to get on top of your numbers once and for all. Do you want to upgrade your lifestyle, make a bigger impact in the world, or gain more time back into your day? Your big dreams are all coming back to one thing, money. So I've developed a secret sauce money matrix formula to combine the power of an abundance mindset with money management tools specifically for creative entrepreneurs like you. Stop hiding from your numbers and start getting strategic. Head to www.aaronbridgman.com to learn everything you need to know about my coaching programs. It's time to completely transform and change the way you view and manage money so you can show up like the wealthy woman you are meant to be. Apply to work with me one-on-one -on -one at www.